Well, hello and welcome. My name is Jess. I'm a pastor here at New Life Church. And it's such an honor to be standing in front of you today speaking. You know, I've been praying that this day is pushed further and further away, but ah, it is here. <laughs> so it's such an honor to be standing in front of you and sharing today's message. But before we start, um, before we begin, let us just uh, commit this time to Christ. Let us pray. Father God, I offer myself as your vessel this morning, and I thank you, God, that you're with us here. I thank you for the message that you've prepared for us. I thank you, God, for opening our spiritual ears. I thank you for preparing our hearts to actually hear from you exactly how you want to speak to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> so this is the most wonderful time of the year, they say. And it's just eight days to Christmas. Can you believe it? Just eight days to Christmas. I don't hear a lot of woo-woo. But anyway, <laughs> what is supposed to be the most wonderful time sometimes can become the most stressful time. So, which is why in this series we are looking at particular things which can actually steal the Christmas joy, which can actually steal the joy that you're supposed to be experiencing within this time. And in week one, Pastor Ryan took us through and made us prepare that persecution is coming. And he told us how to navigate around persecution and what to say and what not to say. And last week, Pastor Louis uh, spoke on family strife. And I would love to believe that some of you, at least hopefully, most of us managed to put our differences aside and invited family and friends for Christmas. Who did that? Oh my goodness, we're supposed to be putting this into practice, eh? <laughs> so today, um, I'm going to be speaking on how not to let loneliness steal your Christmas. Sorry. You know, you might ask me if last week's sermon left us now seated around a Christmas table with family. Why are we even talking about loneliness? We are with family, right? And we are not supposed to be feeling lonely, right? But, you know... Maybe let's look at what loneliness is. Loneliness is sometimes or oftentimes confused with being alone. So before we move to see exactly what loneliness is, let's look at what it's not. Okay. So loneliness is not being alone. It's not the same as being alone. I used to think loneliness is all about being alone until I realized that lonely people are found everywhere. They are found in big crowds. They are found in cities. They are found in restaurants. They are found in churches, on pulpits as well, and around a Christmas table. You do find 
yourself lonely at times. So, and loneliness also is not solitude. You know, when you intentionally take your take some time off to be alone. I like to rest alone. When I'm really tired, I like to be alone and rest. And when I'm planning, even when I was planning this sermon, I remember just saying, I want to be alone at this time. And I hope, I also love to use the bathroom alone. And I hope most of us as well, except if you're a mommy with young kids, I think, yeah, they do challenge that one for you. And um, we also are alone to get away from drama. When things start getting heated up, we try to get alone. In fact, in John, in John 6 verse 15, we hear Jesus saying, He knew that they had planned to come and force him to be their king. So he went away again to a mountain by himself. So actually sometimes solitude is good. Our Lord Jesus Christ used to seek that alone time as well. So the point I'm trying to make here is being lonely is not the same as being alone, okay? If you look at our world today, it's getting more crowded and we call our cities concrete jungles, right? But we see even if it's crowded, it is crowded, we are lonely together. Am I right? We are there in the city, there's so many of us, but we are lonely in that city. So I remember Pastor Desiree asking me a question last week when we were doing foyer. He asked, what is the fondest memory of Christmas that I have? And I went back to the years when I was in a raw area with my grandma. And this is what I made reference to. Because back then, at least we felt like we were together. But when we moved to the cities, you might not have lived in a raw area. But definitely those who come from way back like me, no matter where you were, places didn't feel as lonely as they feel today. So, in fact, it seems like people are intentionally seeking loneliness. You know, this is the funny part of it. We don't want to be alone, but we intentionally seek to be alone. How do we do that? We shop online. What else do we do online? We work online. We have friends online. And we even watch sermons online. There's nothing wrong with that through our online community. But what I'm trying to say is our world today has just shifted us and pushing us to be more and more alone. So what then is loneliness? Let's look at the Oxford Dictionary. The Oxford Dictionary says loneliness is the sadness one feels. I want you to, to remember these two words, sadness one feels. So the sadness and feeling because one is no company. So loneliness 
is an inward feeling. It is an emotion. It's a state of mind which normally leaves you feeling very empty inside, almost. It makes you feel like there's a gap that needs to be filled because when you are lonely, this is what happens. You feel unwanted, unloved, unnoticed, not needed, not cared for. And these are feelings that are quite crippling and often you crave human contact. But because of our state of mind, what happens? We actually push away people. And if you feel unwanted, if you feel unnoticed, unneeded, and you don't focus on the right things, it can push you into some hole. Or loneliness can grow roots and bulbs and more roots, and it starts spreading wherever until it attaches itself with other feelings as well, until you're a very sad person, and sometimes it can even bring about illness. You can even get into depression. All that is coming from loneliness. And, but do you just wake up lonely? What causes loneliness? Why do we even get there? Why do we have this deep feeling of emptiness within ourselves? What happens? There are so many reasons. But today, I want us to look at one. I'm just going to talk about one, which I think most of us will relate to. This is the cause that I think is, causes a lot of loneliness is transition. Say transition. Changes. Okay, transition or a change. You know, when you undergo major transitions or changes, this can actually bring about feelings of loneliness. And it could be you've just moved a house, you've moved a city, you've moved into a new country. Maybe it's because you're changing in age. A lot of things start happening to us, right? Eyesight, yeah, I also have an extra pair now that I keep very near me, <laughs> which has come with age. Our hearing also sometimes changes. And um, children are moving from high school to universities, from universities into the working world. Sometimes it's divorce can cause a major transition in a, in a family. Sometimes the loss of a loved one can actually leave you feeling very lonely because there is that shift in the family dynamics. And... So when we look at the Christmas story, you might be asking me, but it's Christmas. We're supposed to be happy. Why are we talking about loneliness? In the Christmas story itself, I want us to go to the book of Luke, chapter 1. Let's go to verse 46 to 49. I think they've got it up there. We see Mary here. Uh, celebrating, this is where she visits her aunt Elizabeth, and she's celebrating the fact that she has been chosen to become the mother of our Lord and Savior. Okay, I'll read a couple of verses. This 47 to 49, it says, 
My spirit delights in the Lord, my Savior. He has taken note of me, even though I'm not considered important. From now on, people, all people will call me blessed. And the mighty one has done great things for me. His name is holy. So it's so, so easy for us to just call Mary blessed and to just feel, oh my goodness, she's the chosen one. But what I've noticed is Mary's case, which might seem in the beginning she was celebrating what may seem as excitement of being chosen, seemed to quickly change into racing thoughts of fear and maybe loneliness because no one could actually relate to what was happening to her. And if we move a couple of verses down in verse 56, Luke 1 verse 56, it says, Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months. So now Mary leaves their home and visit Aunt Elizabeth. And the reason, I would love to believe the reason why she decided to stay for three months is because maybe her home actually felt lonely because of societal shame and people misunderstood what had actually happened to her. And you see that uh, we also see in chapter 2, we see Mary adopting what most lonely people do. We sort of go into a cocoon. We withdraw to ourselves, right? We see that um, she, in uh, Luke 2 verse 19, we read that, but Mary kept all these things like a secret treasure, in her heart, she thought about them over and over again. Even when Jesus was 12 years old, a couple of verses down in the same chapter, we read that in Second Luke, Luke chapter 2, verse 49 to 51, he's asking his parents, why are you looking for me? He asked, didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house. But they did not understand what he meant by that. Then he went back to Nazareth with them and obeyed them. But his mother kept all these things like a secret treasure in her heart. So when I was preparing this message, I was just thinking to myself, I think Mary must have really, really felt lonely at that time and really misunderstood to a point where some things she didn't explain anymore. She didn't share anymore. She just kept to herself and hid it in her heart as a treasure. So if you're feeling lonely and if you're feeling that empty gap, you're feeling unwanted, it's a state that you don't want to stay in, right? So what we normally do now is we try to find a cure. And in our trying to find a cure, we really go to God first. We try and fix it on our own. Am I right? So in our trying to fix it on our own, 
uh, there are a few natural responses to loneliness, and I'm just going to name three today. We're just going to go through three today. The first one, we try to use relationships with other people to fill that void. So what I do is now I'm expecting you to fill that void. I'm expecting you to make me feel wanted. I'm expecting you to make me feel loved. I'm expecting you to make me feel accepted. This is what we do. And the downfall of it is we drive them away. Why? Because it's unrealistic. We come up with these unrealistic expectations. I was sharing in the morning experience that sometimes you sit with young girls or even women of my age, we come up with, we come with our expectations in relationships, especially with our spouses as well, right? We are expecting 100% attention from our spouses, meaning I want them to ask me, what did I eat? Why did I not eat? Please eat for me and all those things. <laughs> I know you're laughing because you. this is what we expect. And you expect him to be carrying your photo or whatever as a screensaver and watching you 24-7, obsessing over you 24-7. And to actually say this, it's, it's sad because that is unrealistic. Nobody can actually do that at all. So we end up driving them away. The other thing is loneliness can impact our finances. When you are lonely and you want to fill that gap, you might even become materialistic. This is where you're trying to get anything and everything outside you that is material to actually fill up that gap. So what do we do? Instead of running to God, we go shopping. And sometimes we even shop with the money that we don't have. So today I am here to actually caution you. Please do not let loneliness this Christmas till your money too. This is where don't go into overdrafts. <laughs> don't go into, don't blow those credit cards with a bit of actually trying to just feel that gap. And the last part on effects of loneliness that I want to touch on is questioning your worth. And I think this one, most people end up there. You start to question your worth to God and to other people. In fact, I, and when this happens, this is when you are really deep in it and it actually makes you forget who you are in Christ. It makes you forget who you are even in people's lives. We start to see people or to see situations and to see circumstances with this lens that is already broken. And for years, I questioned my worth. Uh, my parents were just teenagers themselves when they brought me into this world. So 
when I grew up, I was already questioning my worth or my fit into society because I never felt I was accepted. You know, societal shame just grew with me like that. People would speak like that. Oh, is that child who did that? You know, you already have a story attached to you and it's not such a pretty story at all. So this is what happened to me. And... Um, when I, I couldn't even find a fit within my own family because my parents both remarried. I didn't know my father's family until I was 20. So I grew up and I knew my mom's family, but I couldn't find that fit because I knew, I always felt like an outsider. And when I got to varsity, because varsity is new level, guys, it's different. So whatever tactics I had back then, because I was very quiet, very shy, and always suckling on my two fingers, and I know some of you might not even relate to this when you look at me because I'm quite loud now, but yes, at that time, I had zero confidence. When I got to varsity, I knew something had to change, so I put on a mask. That's what I did. I said, okay, I'll put on a mask. They don't have to know. So I was this happy person on the, on the outside. I could easily create rapport, and people called me happy, and yet deep inside of me, I was bleeding. And I tried to cure that loneliness with relationships as well, like I had said in the beginning, and nothing worked. And I remember I said, okay, relationships are not working. Um, uh, books, because I also tried to drown myself into studies. I said, if I'm a straight A student, maybe I will get satisfied. Maybe that emptiness in me will get filled. That didn't work as well. Then I said, okay, money, money should be the answer. So what happened is I remember a phase in my life where I joined every money-making scheme that was out there. I joined money-making schemes. I went for training. How do you recruit? How do you invite? How do you make more money? And the sad part of it, I didn't really touch those millions, okay? But what happened that is so beautiful is God allowed something else to happen in that season. I became a good inviter. I became very good in speaking to people. I became a very good presenter. And meanwhile, God was saying, I am waiting for you to actually cultivate a proper relationship with me so that you can now go to New Life Church and use your invite skills to invite people for his kingdom. <laughs> and planning those events that you were planning, go and do it in Soul Sisters. You know, so what I'm trying to say is sometimes I might have not felt God was there in that season of my life because I was looking for the money. I said, God, just the money. But... God never left me on this side. And he was working everything together for my good. So he was always there. So 
Have you ever, I, I want to ask you questions. Have you ever been to a party that has all the drinks and all the food and you come back home feeling empty inside of you? No matter how much fun you had, no matter how much you danced on the dance floor, you just come back and you're empty. If you booked that vacation and you planned it for years or months and you go and you come back and you feel empty, has that ever happened to you? It can happen because of loneliness. And loneliness hurts. They actually say it's, one of, it's on the top list of things that actually cause suicide. So as we approach Christmas... You might be saying, ah, I'm just going to tick that box. I'm just going to go around that table because Louis said we should, okay, forgive each other. I'm just going to be there and I'm tick, 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 tick. And yet deep inside of you, you're still feeling very lonely. And yet you have people around you. But some of you, maybe the loneliness will be because there's an, an empty chair on that table that used to belong to somebody or a loved one that is left. Some of uh, you, maybe you don't have that. Your children have moved to another country. It's not that they've departed the world, but they're definitely not with you. So the enemy is using loneliness to distract us from focusing on the true joy of Christmas and celebrating the true gift, which is Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. Let's say that, God with us. So we are receiving a precious gift and this is a time that we are supposed to be in anticipation and we wait in joy because we understand the true gift of Christmas which is God with us. Then you ask me, but then what do I do? How do I cure loneliness? How do I get rid of this emptiness, this feeling that is inside of me, how do I let it go? And I'd like you to actually pay close attention. If this is the only thing that you're going to take away from today's message, if you are writing somewhere, this is what, what to write. The cure to loneliness is being alone with Jesus. If you really want loneliness to go, you need to master and be comfortable with being alone with Jesus. Because he's God with us, meaning he's everywhere. He's with you right now. He was with you as you were preparing to come to church. He will be with you as you leave. He never, ever leaves your side. Hebrews actually says, God said, you will never leave you, nor forsake you. And in Matthew, he says, surely I am with you to the end of the age. So Jesus is as real as the person sitting next to you. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, Jesus is real. Like you. You see, so Jesus is real. So when we are cultivating an intimate relationship with Jesus, you need to know this realness so that you never ever feel alone again. And 
When that happens, it becomes a defining moment. And some of you like to call it an aha moment. You start to realize that there is no way you'll ever be alone. The moment you accepted Jesus Christ as a Lord and Savior, you can never be alone. And no matter how much you try to detour, no matter how much you try to run away, you and Jonah will have a quiet time in heaven and explain how that happened for you because you can never be alone. Is Emmanuel God with us? But how does that time alone with Jesus look like? What do we do now? Are we throwing off our, our calendars? Are we starting to restructure our days? You know, apart from your alone time with Christ, I remember Pastor Ryan teaching us a few weeks ago on how to have an alone time with Christ. Add on, on that, add on, you know, what I would like to call I would encourage you to have little moments during your day with Jesus. That's what I want to call it. It's little moments. So what you are doing is you already have your schedule, right? There are things that you already do. Invite Jesus in some of those things. How many of us love coffee? How many of us start with coffee in the morning? Have your first cup of coffee with Jesus. He is real, right? We invite our friends for coffee, don't we? But why don't we invite Jesus for coffee? You are there in your house. I don't know where you have your first cup of coffee. Some of you maybe drive through a petrol station or whatever, a coffee shop. But make sure you are very intentional and say, Jesus, we're going to have this coffee together today. You know, and um, maybe you are driving to work. Drive to work with Jesus. Speak to him. When you're walking to school, for those who are still going to school, when you're having that tea break at work or tea break at school, have that with Jesus. And another thing that I encourage you that I've seen that really works for me, create a hobby and invite Jesus to do that with you. Yes, we do this all the time. We invite our friends to go hiking. We are going to gym together. We're doing boot camp together. Uh, we diet on the same plan. Invite Jesus in some of those things. In fact, there is a hobby that I recently adopted. Actually, I adopted it from my son. My son has always been somebody who likes plants. So he likes to plant something from a seed he is more serious than I am. He likes to plant something from a seed and wants to nurture it and see it becoming something that he can eat. <laughs> so um, I said, why don't I just try that? And I'm, I'm in love with plants at the moment. I know most of you are going to say ages finally caught up with me because sometimes I just prefer to talk to my plants, guys. <laughs> and, you know, I always wondered, but why, is, why does he have such an interest? And on Friday... I went to the nursery. I just stick to flowers, guys. I buy the ones that have already blossomed. I ask them which is the one that stays throughout the year. I do not want any trouble. 
So I look for the strongest ones that are ready to go. But yeah, he's different. So I'm planting my flowers and he's next to me and he's got a, he's got a watermelon seed, sorry. And he's putting it in this pot and he whispers, in the name of Jesus, grow. <laughs> As he's putting it in the sand. And I'm thinking to myself, oh my goodness, I don't think he thought I even heard him. But I'm like, oh my goodness, this child already is on the way. He knows that between him, the seed, the soil, Jesus is there. So this is what we are trying to say right now. And when you start doing that, I know ladies are going to love this one. Go shopping with Jesus. Have you ever been frustrated in a mall and you're going shop to shop and you can't find something? There is so much, but you just can't find that one thing. That makes sense, right? This is where you invite Jesus and you say, hey, Jesus, you know what? I'm not leaving this. I've been here for the past hour or two and I'm getting frustrated. Why don't we shop together? And suddenly your eyes zone in on that denim or that pair of shoes. And when you're in the fitting room, sometimes I go like, yes. Oh, this is so nice. And I'm so loud to a point where the attendants go, are you okay, ma'am? I'm like, yes. Me and Jesus are having a celebration right now. And sometimes you are so excited that when you get to the paying point, you even want to tip the cashier. Eh? <laughs> That's how excited you are. And what's beautiful is when you start creating, why are we doing this? Why do we, I'm not saying let's do this to look strange to the world or to be funny or to look, I don't know, strange. I am saying this so that you get to a point where you realize you are never alone. Because when you get it right, when you are alone, to know that I'm not alone, then you're done. So what happens after that is when we are now having our relationships with other people, it becomes so much easier. You know, there's another thing that often happens. Somebody comes for counseling in the office and um, I offer coffee. They say no. And uh, you, they start speaking and then they get to a point where it's, you're like, yo, even you are like, yo. And then you offer coffee again or water. I'm trying to create that me moment with Jesus now when I go to make that coffee or when I grab that water. Sometimes I don't even leave the room. I'm grabbing tissues and as I'm grabbing tissues to them, I'm already having that talk like Jesus now you need to speak I know I don't have to have answers now but something needs to happen here and what I've noticed oftentimes when you know that you're not just alone with the person in the room Jesus is with you sometimes the next line actually comes from them the revelation, or maybe let's try this. <laughs> because sometimes you're quite vulnerable and say, let's pray into this sister. Let's hold each other's hands and let's dig more into this. And sometimes when you say, 
just those under the breath prayers like Pastor Des taught some, <laughs> some time ago, when you do that, suddenly something just comes. Why don't we do this? Why don't you do that? So your relationships also with people get to improve because you know you are not just with them alone, but Jesus is there. Even if it's a breakfast with a friend, the third person is already there. There's nothing that you can ever do because he said he is Emmanuel, God with us. And not only is he with us, if we go to Colossians verse 1 to 20, uh, chapter 1, verse 27, I don't think they have that one up, but I'll read. God has chosen to make known to them glorious riches of that mystery. He has made it known among Gentiles, and ye is what it is. Christ in you, your hope for glory. So Christ is not just with you, he is in you. So now there is no way, wherever you are, you cannot think of shifting from him because he's already with you. So as I'm shifting, he's shifting with me <laughs> because he is in you, your hope for Glory. So there is no way that this is a gift that we need to celebrate, uh, brothers and sisters, to just to know that we are never alone. There is no way that you ever be alone as long as you give your life to Christ. So in this Christmas season, do not let you know, those thoughts come to me, come to you. Because, you know, I always say, or I have been learning from um, some authors that our thoughts create the feelings, you know. So you are playing it over and over and over again. And to a point where you actually believe what you're thinking, and then these feelings of sadness come, these feelings of loneliness come upon you. So sometimes another thing that I like to do is to do a think session with Christ, you know, where you say, okay, Jessica, you don't feel so good today, but maybe let's look at what are you thinking about? So I would like to encourage you to take some moments, even if it's just two minutes to say, what am I thinking about? Think about what you are thinking about. Most of the times you realize that it's those things that are crippling back. Remember I was saying to you, whatever happened, the loneliness, I carried it through from childhood right into adulthood. So this is not going to go away in two minutes like that. It's a journey, and it keeps crippling back because we have an enemy, and the enemy wants to steal your joy. And even during this Christmas season, you know, he's not even shy <laughs> to steal that, Christ that, that joy of Christmas from you. So 
Remember, it's something that you continuously choose, something that you continuously say, uh-uh, there is no way, I can't be lonely, there is no way, Jesus is in me. You know, have those verses. I remember a couple of weeks ago, we did um, a devotional on life verses. Have those, if you're struggling with loneliness, look for those verses and play them over and over again when it starts coming. Play those verses over and over again. And so this Christmas season, God wants you to experience wholeness. He doesn't want you to feel lonely. He doesn't want you to ever feel lonely. So it's not just in this season. He wants you to know that he is with you. So no matter how many people are with you or how many people are not with you during this Christmas season... Always remember that Christ in you, the hope of glory, Emmanuel, our King, is with you all the time. You can never, ever get to a point where you are alone. God wants you to know that Jesus is the answer or is the cure to all those thoughts and feelings of loneliness. So as we officially step in into uh, the countdown this coming week, we are counting down now to Christmas. Uh, may we all experience this fullness of joy. May we never allow loneliness to take away the joy because it's not there. It's not, it's non-existent. It's a lie from the devil. If you ever say, I'm so alone, remember to start creating those experiences with Jesus to a point where you know that there is no way I can ever be alone. So let us pray. Father God, we thank you this morning. We thank you for going before us. We thank you for being with us in everything that we do. We thank you, Father God, that there is no way we can be lonely. We thank you, oh God, for this beautiful season, a season that we are reminded of the beautiful gift, Emmanuel, God with us. Mighty God, we thank you that I pray for each and every family here represented right now as you go through the season. Lord, we speak protection. We thank you, oh God, that may it become a season that is full of joy. Lord, we thank you, oh God, that you will continue to just watch over us this Christmas season. And we may, we never lose focus on what is the true meaning of Christmas. And let's continue to close our eyes and bow our heads. I would like to address a special group of people in the room right now. If you are here and you're saying, I also want to have a chance of having a relationship with an ever-present friend, somebody that will always be there. I want a touch from this Emmanuel that we're talking about today. And I'm ready to experience the beauty of never being alone again. With all our eyes closed and our heads bowed, may I ask those who are ready to give their lives to Christ to put up their hands 
And um, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hands going up in the room. Thank you, Jesus. Now, I would like for us to join church. Why don't you join me? And let's pray together. Let's say this pray to, prayer together. Pray after me. And let's just do it together in support of those who are, here, who are joining the Christ family. Lord Jesus, I receive you today as my Savior. Come into my heart. Occupy and fill that seat that only you can occupy. Come and fill that gap that only you can fill. I make you my Lord and Savior today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's celebrate that.